The Breadman looks like the Breadman during the Rangers game one victory over the New Jersey Devils playing cool, calm, and collected hockey. We talk about in today's episode why it looks like Artemi Panarin might be looking at a much better playoff run this year uh, than he had last season. Also going to be talking about Patrick Kane and how he had some mixed results in his playoff debut with the New York Rangers. Also going to be talking about some unsung heroes from game one and turning the page and looking ahead to game two, which will obviously be another huge game for the New York Rangers as they look to take control of this best of seven series. All that and much more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 810 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And we got a lot to do today. You know, obviously, still kind of uh, basking in the afterglow of uh, what was a very uh, successful Game 1 performance for the New York Rangers. They go into New Jersey, win the Game 5-1. to one, And uh, like I said, a lot more to cover today, everything I just mentioned. But we got to start with the bread man, Artemi Panarin. Uh, he, along with Patrick Kane, I think are going to be the two players on the Rangers that are going to be most under the microscope uh, during this playoff run for the New York Rangers. Obviously, they're two of the more high-profile players on the team. You could maybe throw Igor Shesterkin in there as well, simply because he's the goalie, and obviously, uh, you're always going to be uh, having a close eye kept on you when you play that position. That's just the nature of the beast. But as for Panarin, a fantastic start to the Stanley Cup playoffs for him. He ends up with two assists in this game. He got the secondary assist on each of the Rangers' first two goals. And we're going to break down both of those plays that Artemi Panarin made in just a second. But it goes well beyond that. You know, Panarin just had a very strong game overall. And I'm going to cite some examples of that. As far as the assists, though, we might as well cover those first since they each happened you know, fairly early in this game. Uh, the first assist was on the game opening goal by Vladimir Tarasenko. Happened less than five minutes into the game. We got Tarasenko an awesome job getting the blue line, fending off two Devils. Uh, Artemi Panera, nice job here playing instinctive hockey, realizing it would seem that uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was going to need some help. So he helped kind of get the puck loose, picked it up for just a second. Puck goes over to Keandre Miller. Uh, Miller then passes back to Tarasenko. Tarasenko receives the pass while moving you know, toward the puck and moving toward the uh, slot area, receives the pass, takes a wrist shot, puts it into the net, gives the Rangers a one to nothing lead. And Artemi Panarin on this play, when Miller passed to Tarasenko, uh, great job by Panarin, thinking quickly here and getting out of the way. How did he get out of the way? Well, he jumped up into the air as uh, only the bread man can, you know, le- leapt out of the way of the uh, the pass there and obviously uh, set up the whole thing, you know, helping to get the puck loose and get it over to Miller. And then, uh, essentially taking himself out of the play so that he wouldn't inadvertently redirect Miller's pass, jumped out of the way of the pass, and uh, allowed the play to be completed, and Tarasenko took care of the rest. But a great play uh, by Artemi Panarin there. As far as his second assist, it came on one of the two Chris Kreider power play tip-in goals in this game. And we actually, I forgot to do this in yesterday's episode, let's give some credit to Chris Kreider taking a face-off on the power play and winning it clean. Mika had been uh, kicked out of the face-off, Kreider stepped in there, took control, won the face-off clean to his left over to Artemi Panarin, and Panarin uh, corrals the puck, and Panarin, it seemed like he sold a shot just a little bit. He might have even been thinking about just uh, letting it fly once Kreider got the puck to him off of the face-off win, but instead, uh, Panarin 
passes back to Adam Fox, and then Fox takes care of the rest. He, uh, you know, puts the puck toward the net, sets up Chris Kreider for the tipping goal. But uh, nice job at Panarin there. You know, thought about shooting, thought the better of it, got it back to Fox, and uh, set the whole play in motion there. So uh, Panarin with two early assists, great way to start the playoffs for the bread man. As far as his stat line in this game, he was also a plus one, had three shots on goal, had 16 minutes and 13 seconds of ice time. That included two minutes and 40 seconds on the power play and uh, 11 seconds on the penalty kill. But to kind of just illustrate my point that, you know, it goes beyond just the two assists as far as how well Panarin played in this game. I want to focus in on a shift that Panarin had in the first period. Rangers are only up one to nothing at this point, and it was right after the Rangers had killed a penalty. We heaped a ton of praise on the Ranger penalty killers in our most recent episode, and uh, rightfully so. They were fantastic in this game. But the Rangers had just killed a penalty, and Panarin steals the puck in the offensive zone to set up an offensive zone possession. Uh, you had Mikola actually behind the devil net. He was battling a couple of devils. Uh, Tarasenko eventually comes away with the puck. He passes in front to Panarin. Panarin with a quick pass over to his left to Ryan Lindgren. Lindgren sends his shot off the crossbar. So if this shot had gone in here, Ryan Lindgren would have ended up with two goals after having only one goal, which was an empty net goal in the regular season. And Artemi Panarin would have had not two, but three assists in this game. But a great pass there by Panarin, obviously just playing instinctive hockey, uh, you know, seeing the ice very well and uh, recognizing that he had Lindgren there and he, he set him up for a goal and opportunity. And uh, again, if that shot is an inch lower, then uh, it's another goal there and another assist for Artemi Panarin. But uh, this shift continued. Panarin ended up being taken down by Wood in the Ranger zone. So he draws a penalty here on the same shift where he very, very nearly set up Ryan Lindgren for a goal. So a uh, great job by Panarin there, drawing the penalty. And then, of course, the Rangers went on to score on the power play, made it 2 to nothing. But Artemi Panarin right out of the starting blocks here, just looking like he's ready for prime time, looking re like he's ready to go. And it wasn't too long after this where uh, Panarin made a play uh, in the offensive zone, Panarin actually kind of bodied his guy a little bit. They were both going for a loose puck in the corner, and uh, Panarin, you know, kind of put his shoulder into him just a little bit. Not a bone-jarring hit, nothing that's going to make any kind of a highlight reel or anything like that, but Artemi Panarin actually with a little bit of a physical play there and uh, ended up winning the puck as a result of that. So great stuff by Panarin there. And then a uh, great defensive play here as well. This is early in the second period. Rangers still only up two to nothing at this point. You've got Jack Hughes uh, going into the Rangers zone on a rush, which is always a little bit of a dicey situation. Uh, we talked about in our last episode how Hughes has had a lot of success against the Rangers, but a great play by Panarin. He hustles on the back check, gets back there, lifts the stick of Jack Hughes, and does not allow Hughes to, to get a shot away or even a pass away. Uh, forces a turnover there. Great job by Panarin hustling to get back and then executing on defense. Uh, great play to, you know, break up the rush for the New Jersey Devils. The only uh, slight misstep that I thought Panarin had in this game is he once again in the third period got a little bit pass happy. He had a situation where uh, the Rangers are up 3-0. He received a pass. He's in the center of the ice. He's got his momentum taking him toward the New Jersey net. And I'm thinking... I just said out loud, I said, just shoot it. You know, I just want him to shoot this. I feel like if Panarin shoots this puck, he's going to snipe one of the corners because uh, he was really feeling it in this game. And, uh, you know, sometimes we forget what a great shooter he is because he's so pass happy out there. Um, but he didn't shoot it. He kind of surprised Ryan Lindgren with a pass. He almost set up Lindgren for a goal earlier in the game. May want to take another stab at it, try to get Lindgren his second goal of the contest. And uh, Lindgren could not handle the pass. And yeah, I said, just shoot it, you know, while this play was developing, uh, you know, because if Panarin shoots that puck, I get the feeling very good chance 
he scores, Rangers would have been up 4-0 at that point, and that probably would have been uh, the dagger. But yeah, I mean, Panarin, you know, beyond all the stat lines and all the plays I just described, just looked like he was Artemi Panarin. He looked like the bread man. He looked like he was out there playing loose, having fun, enjoying himself, enjoying himself, excuse me. And, you know, I talked about this last year in the playoffs. It just kind of seemed like he was indecisive, a little bit hesitant, gripping the stick a little too tightly, not being himself, you know, and I'm not a psychologist. I've never met Artemi Panarin or anything like that. But for me, uh, whoever you are in the regular season, be that same guy in the playoffs. I talked about this, you know, in last week's episode when we were talking about, uh, you know, things that the Rangers are going to need to do in the playoffs. And one of them was having a better postseason run from Artemi Panarin. But go out there and have fun and play relax and play loose. And if you score a goal, you know, do your leg kick. Be the guy that you've always been. Be the guy that has uh, led you from being an undrafted player into one of the truly elite players on this planet. You know, be that guy. There's no reason to change things up. You can take the playoffs seriously and still have a lot of fun at the same time. And I think that's what we saw from Artemi Panarin in game one here. And I'm hopeful that that's what we'll continue to see uh, from the bread man as we go forward uh, in this Ranger playoff run here. And beginning with game two on what day would that be? That would be Thursday in New Jersey, uh, obviously, once again against the Devils. But we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. I want to talk about Patrick Kane and his uh, playoff debut with the New York Rangers. We're going to get to that and a whole bunch of other stuff as well in just a second. But first, we got to let everybody know today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all of the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you won't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd, to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see what this new flavor is. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you will get 15% off of your order. All right, we just want to thank everybody, as usual, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And for the everydayers out there, in our next episode, where we're going to be talking about what else, the result of Game 2 between the Rangers and Devils, and uh, hopefully the Rangers can pretty much just pick up where they left off uh, at the end of Game 1. Uh, we shall see what happens there. Uh, another quick just little note here. It doesn't really matter that much, but I was calling yesterday's episode 808 it was actually 8.09. Today's episode is 8.10 for all those of you who are obviously keeping score of this kind of stuff at home. But I do want to talk about Patrick Kane. Uh, obviously, look, he's a high-profile player, you know, maybe the best American-born player ever. You guys know all the accolades, the three-time Stanley Cup champion. I don't need to run through his whole resume here. But, you know, obviously, he's going to be under the microscope, uh, not just from Ranger fans, but just general hockey fans. It's very surreal to see Patrick Kane playing for anybody other than the Chicago Blackhawks. And it's funny because... You know, this game ends, and I, I think most of us feeling pretty good. You know, the Rangers, why not? You know, they, they go into New Jersey, they start the playoffs with a convincing 5-1 to one victory. But you go on social media, and there's obviously some chatter about Patrick Kane, and it feels like everybody is either on one extreme or the other. There are Ranger fans who I think maybe were a little bit too critical of Kane's performance in Game 1. Again, the Rangers won this game 5-1. to one. They were firing pretty much on all cylinders. There's a couple of things maybe you could nitpick here and there, uh, but they largely dominated this game. And I think Ranger fans that, instead of enjoying this win a little bit, are completely freaking out about, about Patrick Kane. Uh, you know, try to enjoy the win a little bit more. Try to enjoy this a little bit. Um, but then you've got the other group. 
And it's the polar opposite. It's the fans that anytime anybody says anything that uh, can be perceived as a critique of Patrick Kane or anything he did on the ice, you know, it feels like there's certain fans, not every Ranger fan, but uh, there's certain Ranger fans that uh, just see it as, you know, way overboard. And no, you're not allowed to say anything bad about Kane no matter what. And you know, just enjoy this win. Look, I, I think there's a happy medium here. I think we can enjoy the fact that the Rangers won 5-1. to one. I think it's also fair game to, uh, you know, offer some critiques of Patrick Kane and how he performed in this game. Again, it's his first playoff game as a Ranger. You're getting somebody who's going to go down as one of the all-time greats. So uh, we're going to do our best here, take a very level-headed approach at Patrick Kane's playoff debut for the New York Rangers. Again, very high-profile player, always going to be under the microscope a little bit. As I said at the top of the show, I think him and Panarin are going to be watched closer than any other two Rangers on this team. Uh, as far as what Kane did in this game, thought it was a little bit of a mis mixed bag. Uh, as far as the not-so-good stuff, we'll get that out of the way first. Uh, there were a couple of turnovers from Kane. They led to a couple of decent scoring chances for the Devils. And I saw in this, the stat sheet that you know Kane was only charged with uh, with two giveaway or one giveaway, excuse me. I counted at least two. You know, that stat obviously isn't perfect. Um, but, you know, there, there was a situation where uh, there was a three-on-two that the Devils had, and it came as the result of King giving the puck away in the Devils' zone. Uh, shot ended up going wide by the Devils. Uh, but then there was also a play in the third period. This one bothered me a little bit more than the, the first one. Uh, the Rangers at this point are up three to nothing, and Kane's got the puck in the neutral zone, and he went to dump the puck into the Devils' zone, and then I think he was going to go off for a change. Uh, looked like a pretty mundane run-of-the-mill play. Kane, for some reason, just, like, didn't put enough on it when he was dumping the puck. He just kind of tapped it into the attacking zone, and the Devil defenseman was there, and he picked up the puck along the boards, moved it quickly back up the ice. Devil's got a little bit of an opportunity out of this. Uh, Eeyore ends up making a glove save uh, when the Devils went in on the rush. So not sure what was going on there. Uh, I think Kane, you know, obviously can play a little bit better than this. Uh, the two turnovers that I just mentioned were not ideal, especially the second one where, uh, you know, there was just no reason for it. You know, Kane's got to get that puck deep and then go off for his change. And uh, in that case, the devil, you know, scoring opportunity that manifested there never would have happened because the puck would have been deep. Devils would have had to go get it. Rangers would have been able to, you know, get all their new guys onto the ice and uh, get in better defensive position than they were in here. Just kind of a strange play. Um, but, you know, it wasn't all bad for Patrick Kane. He made a play where uh, it led to a two-on-one, you know, made a nice play in the neutral zone. Got the Rangers going on a two-on-one. I believe it was him and Mika that went in. Didn't score or anything like that, but a nice play by Patrick Kane to set that up. And he also uh, had an assist in this game on the goal that made it 4 to nothing. Another uh, Chris Kreider tip-in goal on the power play. It made the score 4 to nothing. And Patrick Kane came away with the secondary assist here. It was midway through the third period. Rangers, once again, kind of looking for the dagger here, up 3-0, looking for the four-goal lead, and they get it. Uh, Rangers do a great job on this power play. They maintain possession in the devil's zone for about a minute, you know, the first minute of the man advantage here. Fox with a pass over to Kane in the right circle. And I think Kane... Maybe, kind of like Panarin did earlier in the game, sold the shot just a little bit. You know, gave a look at the net, got the Devils to kind of move toward him a little bit, maybe anticipating the shot and trying to block said shot. But instead, uh, Kane passes from the top of the right circle back to Adam Fox. Fox then with the one-timer off of the feed from Kane, and Kreider's there on the doorstep, and he redirects it into the net just like he did earlier in the game. Rainers up 4 nothing, and... uh you know, never say never, especially in the playoffs, but at that point, 4 nothing midway through the third period, you're certainly liking your chances, and, uh, you know, Kane obviously had a hand in the Rangers scoring that goal there. So, again, a little bit of a mixed bag for Patrick Kane. I'm still waiting for Patrick Kane to be that guy, to be Showtime Patrick Kane. I am not expecting 
prime Patrick Kane. I'm not expecting uh, the Patrick Kane who you know had over 100 points at least a couple of times. Uh, there was at least one year where I think he led the league in points. Uh, you know, one of the truly elite players in the game. He doesn't have to be that. Uh, I just want him to be a little bit more assertive. I, I think that's the word that I think a lot of us are maybe looking for right now when describing Patrick Kane. We want to see him uh, assert himself a little bit more, take over this game a little bit more, play with the kind of confidence that you expect to see from a three-time Stanley Cup champion. But I will say, you know, I'm still glad that Patrick Kane is here. I really am. A uh, very unique circumstance that let him being dealt to the Rangers. Obviously, he wasn't going to approve a trade to anybody but the Rangers and the Blackhawks. Wanted to do right by a guy that had won three Stanley Cups for them, and it was just kind of this perfect recipe for Patrick Kane to join the New York Rangers for pennies on the dollar. Even if Patrick Kane is not at the you know top prime of his game, and maybe his hip is acting up a little bit, we don't really know for sure, uh, I'd still rather have Patrick Kane in this lineup than somebody like Vitaly Krasov or Jake LeCision. That's just me, but I think even the you know the the toughest Kane critics. The, the most vocal Kane naysayers, I think you got to agree with me on that one. This team is far better off with Patrick Kane uh, being in the lineup instead of somebody like Jake LeCision or uh, or Vitaly Kravtsov. And, and I think, you know, Kane, at a certain point, he's got a big performance in him, a big moment in him. Uh, he certainly has come up clutch in the playoffs in the past, and uh, we look for that to happen in the future. So a little bit of a mixed bag for Kane in his first game, but not bad either, and uh, looking for him to hopefully step it up uh, in game two. The Rangers are going to need him at some point if they're going to get to where they need to go. Uh, we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. I want to talk about a couple of the uh, unsung heroes of Game 1. Got a couple that uh, I want to go through there. Also, a quick look ahead to Game 2, and even a couple of things that I think the Rangers can do better in Game 2 than they did in Game 1. And take nothing away from their performance in Game 1. Uh, they were fantastic, but I always think there's a, at least a little bit of room for improvement, and I'm going to talk about a couple of those things. And we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so unsung heroes of game one. This is something that we do every so often in the regular season. You know, maybe there's a couple of days between Ranger games and, you know, they, they've been playing well recently. And I take a look at some of the unsung heroes or some of the under the radar plays. It's one of those things I should honestly probably do it more often. It's a, it's an enjoyable, enjoyable segment, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, always good to give credit where it's due, uh, even if it's to players that aren't necessarily the headline grabbers. But I want to start, as far as unsung heroes, with the fourth line, and specifically Barkley Goodrow. I thought Goodrow was absolutely fantastic in this game. Uh, he's somebody that's just built for playoff hockey. Uh, the Rangers almost scored the fourth line, that is, when VZ passed out of the corner to Tyler Mott. Mott had a great chance on the doorstep. He was all alone there, kind of snuck in the back door a little bit. Uh, the save was made, and they did not score. But you know, it just kind of reminds you that the Ranger fourth line, no points in this game. They're not going to be an offensive juggernaut. 
all three of those guys are capable of doing something offensively uh, to help the New York Rangers. And it's such a stark contrast from earlier in the season. And I'm not picking on any of these players, but we saw guys like Ryan Reeves, Dryden Hunt, Sammy Blay, Jake LeCision, Johnny Brodzinski uh, play in the Ranger lineup on the fourth line. And in some cases, uh, above the fourth line, you know, Krasoff as well. You, when, when somebody like Goodrow or VZ or Mott scores, it's not a surprise at all. That whole other group of players that I just mentioned, you're pretty surprised when they get on the score sheet. And it's just such a stark contrast to where the Rangers were earlier in the season as it pertains uh, to their depth. Uh, like I said, they're not going to be an offensive, an offensive juggernaut, excuse me, but you will eventually get this fourth line doing something offensively in this playoff run. I truly do believe that. And they had a couple of chances in this game to do exactly that. But Barclay Goodrow, what a game he played. He had a couple of clears for the Rangers while they were shorthanded. Uh, he ended up with three block shots. At least a couple of them, if not all three of them, occurred while the Rangers were shorthanded, you know, going down to the ice, wearing some slap shots, and uh, preventing scoring chances for the Devils. And, you know, I, I heaped a lot of praise, like I said, on the Ranger penalty kill in our last episode. Something that I, I didn't realize is that the Devils did not have a shot on goal in any of their four power play opportunities. That is nearly impossible to pull off. The Rangers did it. And obviously... You know, all three of those guys that play on the Ranger fourth line, they have a hand in the penalty kill as well. So just a fantastic job uh, by the fourth liners for the Rangers. On top of, you know, everything that I just mentioned, the Ranger fourth line was basically in a night-long wrestling match with the Devils fourth line. They, they were tussling with them pretty much every shift that both of those lines were out there. Uh, there was a big skirmish behind one of the nets, and you had Severson, you know, standing over Goodrow. Goodrow was down on the ice, and uh, Severson, it looks like, might have even thrown a punch or two. Uh... Goodrow got up, and he wanted to fight Severson, and Severson seemed to want no part of it. Goodrow was also, earlier in the game, drawing with Wood before uh, the puck dropped for a face-off. So uh, a lot of extracurriculars from the fourth line. But I got to say, I actually like the fact that none of the Ranger fourth liners, or really anybody on the Rangers for that matter, actually got into a fight, actually dropped the gloves uh, in this game. I mean, I guess Goodrow technically did drop the gloves when he was looking to fight Severson, um, but they didn't actually get into a fight. There were no five-minute majors. And the reason I like this is because, you know, the Rangers, they were up 5 nothing, or <laughs> 5 nothing. yeah. They were up one nothing five minutes into this game. They were also up uh, 2 nothing just 10 minutes into this game as well. So the Rangers, they had everything working for the most part. They controlled uh, the tempo of this game. And really, I mean, if you're Barclay Goodrow or anybody on the fourth line or really anybody on the Rangers, there's not really a whole lot to gain by dropping your gloves and fighting somebody. Now, I do think we'll see a fight uh, before this series ends, maybe more than one. And I think that'll start as soon as the first period of game two. But for this game, the way that it was unfolding, the fact that the Rangers took an early lead, the fact that they mostly were in control for the entire 60 minutes here, save for, you know, a decent devil's push, I would say, in the second period. Uh, there was no reason to drop the gloves and uh, potentially spark your opponent. There, there was just no good reason to do it. You had nothing to gain by getting into a fist fight. So I, I also have to give the Ranger fourth line kudos. In addition to, you know, playing physical hockey and doing all the things that we just talked about, also showing a little bit of restraint, not letting your emotions get the best of you, not getting into a fist fight, and not allowing the Devils a chance to spark themselves when you, like I said, are in total control of the game. There was just nothing to gain by getting into a fight, uh, really, at any point in this game. So just a great job by the Ranger fourth line overall. They got decent ice time. You know, VZ only had 9.48. That was a team low for the Rangers. Mott had 11.42. Uh, that was the second lowest for the Rangers. Barkley Goodrow had 13.13. But those guys all made the most of their minutes uh, whenever they were out there. And like I said, the fourth line for the Rangers didn't get on the score sheet or anything like that. But uh, Goodrow especially, but really the entire fourth line, unsung heroes of this game for the New York Rangers. I also want to point to a player, another player, in addition to Mott, 
that the Rangers acquired at the trade deadline. And, you know, he was kind of the other guy of the Tarasenko deal, but that would be Nico Mikola. I think Mikola, uh, since he's been a Ranger, has gotten more and more comfortable with their style of play with Braden Schneider being his defense partner. Mikola was a little bit shaky the first couple of games. There were times where I thought he was uh, struggling to keep up with the pace of play a little bit that the Rangers play. Uh, him and Schneider had to work to get on the same page, which I think they since have, uh, but a little bit of a shaky start. You know, the first game, Mikola had three penalties called against him, so that was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser, but Mikola's played very well uh, for the Rangers and, and somebody that I think is going to do a nice job in the playoffs as well. His skill set, his size and strength, it all seems to uh, translate to positive things in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He had a couple of fairly big hits in this game. Uh, he was credited with two hits. They weren't what I would call Truba-esque hits, but a, a couple of, uh, you know, good hits in the corner in the Rangers zone that, you know, shook the boards a little bit, shook the glass a little bit. Again, not bone jarring, but, you know, solid hits. He's obviously a big guy. Uh, he was involved in at least one of the post-whistle skirmishes and uh, did a nice job. It was in front of the Ranger net, and he did a nice job just kind of tying up his guy and uh, getting him out of there, getting him away from Igor Shesterkin, because the last thing we need is for anybody to, you know, fall on top of Igor during a skirmish or something like that. So a nice job uh, by Mikola there. Uh, I also mentioned this a little bit earlier in today's episode when I was talking about uh, Panarin, but there was an instance where Mikola was actually behind the devil's net fighting for the puck, and uh, he had two devils all over him, and he wouldn't allow the devils to take the puck away from him. Now, on one hand, I don't want to see too much of Nico Mikola uh, playing behind the devil's net. That's not really his strong suit or his forte, but, um, you know, the odd situation where he has a chance to go in deep, and he knows that somebody's got him covered. You know, at the blue line, he's, he knows that one of the forwards are, are back there, and they're watching his back. Uh, I think it's okay. But it was nice to see him, uh, you know, go in there and, and win a board battle and keep a play alive. And that actually led—that was the same shift where Ryan Lindgren uh, put the puck off the crossbar. So uh, Mikola was just awesome. And probably the play that stood out the most for Mikola, uh, the play he made against Jack Hughes when the Devils rushed into the Rangers zone. Hughes was up the left side. And, you know, Devils are dangerous on the rush. That might be their greatest strength as a team. Uh, they're so fast, got great team speed, and uh, certainly some skilled players that can hurt you on the rush. But Hughes is going in, and that's always a little bit of a scary situation. But Nico Mikola comes flying over, flying over, excuse me, goes into a slide on his stomach and knocks the puck away from Jack Hughes. So Hughes never even got a pass away, never even got a shot away. Great play by Nico Mikola there. And uh, somebody that I think, again, an unsung hero in this game. And somebody that Ranger fans, maybe at first were a little, eh, I don't know about this guy, but I think Ranger fans, as the games have gone on here, have generally warmed up to Nico Mikola uh, more and more pretty much with every passing game and uh, somebody that's going to provide the Rangers with some depth on the blue line in the playoffs here. Great first game uh, in the playoffs for Nico Mikola. And finally, some unsung heroes. Well, that would be you guys, the fans, any Ranger fans that attended game one uh, at the Prudential Center. I said in our episode where we talked about some X factors in the playoff run that I was looking for the Rangers to get home ice advantage on the road. And what I mean by that is that there seem to be more Ranger fans in away rinks than there are for any other team in the NHL. Without going through the other 31 NHL teams, it seems like the Rangers have more support when they go on the road than any other team. And that's an advantage that you need to uh, capitalize on. I think, you know, at times, maybe the Rangers did feed off of uh, some of the let's go Ranger chants that were echoing throughout the Prudential Center. Uh, Igor Shesterkin, it's funny because this game started and you had those mock 
Eeg or, you know, those chants from the Devils fans, and that's all well and good. They can do whatever they want. But as this game went on and the Rangers went up 1-0 and 2-0 and 3-0 and 4-0, those chants were replaced by a chance of Igor, you know, but from the Ranger fans, obviously the positive chance, and that was cool to see as well. I heard the Potvin sucks chant at least once or twice in this game as well. So Ranger fans asserting themselves on the road in the Prudential Center. And if you're going to these games, like I said in the past, don't cause any problems. We don't need, you know, drunken fights breaking out in the games or, or anything like that. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been to a hockey game or a baseball game or a football game where, you know, somebody has a little bit too much of the uh, adult beverages and a fight breaks out and everybody records it with their cell phone now and security has to get called in and it's an ugly situation. Uh, To my knowledge, there was none of that in this game. So obviously if you're at these games, don't cross the line or anything like that. But by all means, if you're seeing the Rangers play the Devils at the Prudential Center in the playoffs, yeah, make some noise and cheer for your team and uh, make sure that you can give the Rangers as as much of a home ice advantage on the road as uh, you possibly can. To quickly kind of turn the page here and look ahead to Game 2, which will be happening on Thursday night at 7.30, um, you know, listen, for the Rangers, just pretty much do what you did in Game 1 here. Get off to a fast start, uh, play physical hockey, be locked into every shift, play a complete 60. I think the Rangers played a complete 60. You know, the Devils got a push every now and then. They got a scoring chance every now and then. But I thought for the most part, the Rangers were mostly in control of this game and uh, obviously led to a win. So just stick with what you do. And I would imagine maybe the Devils will come out a little bit more desperate in this game, but I would love for the Rangers to get off to the kind of start that they got off to in this game, come out skating like your heads are on fire, maybe get an early lead, and maybe give the Devils a little bit of that, oh man, here we go again feeling. We'll see what the Rangers can do there. Uh, As far as a couple of things that I think maybe the Rangers could do a little bit better in Game 2, in the second period of Game 1, the Rangers went through a stretch where they were defending well, but it felt like all the action was on the Rangers' side of the ice, and part of the reason for that was that the Rangers just could not get through the the neutral zone. You know, the Devils kept breaking it up every time the Rangers had the puck, or maybe there was a situation where, you know, the Rangers were back on their heels for a shift, and so by the time you gain the red line, you're just dumping it into the attacking zone, and you're going off for a line change. Um, But I think something the Rangers can do better is just getting the puck deep, you know, and, and for the most part, they did that in this game, but they went through that low in the second period where they just couldn't get the puck into the devil's zone. I thought the kid line had a really nice shift where um, they got the puck deep and went to work along the boards, played behind the devil's net a little bit, and finally just got the Rangers uh, some offensive zone time in the second period, which had been lacking up to that point. But getting the puck deep, uh, something that the Rangers did well in game one, maybe they could do it even better in game two. Uh, here's one that's obvious, and it's one that uh, I talk about quite a bit on here. Limiting the penalties. Rangers took four penalties in this game, including four or including three in the first period. And you are playing with fire a little bit. The Devils were number 13 in the NHL in power play at 21.9% in the regular season. And certainly they have some skilled players and some guys that can hurt you on the man advantage. That's not an ideal situation to give the Devils, or really anybody, three power play opportunities in the first period. And we could debate uh, the merit of these penalties. I think certainly the Trocek uh, tripping penalty, that one was was definitely a penalty. Um, Fox has called for holding, maybe a little bit of a ticky-tack call there. Uh, Scheider with the high stick, the Rangers were arguing about that. And uh, certainly the last penalty against Mott where he took the face off and then moved the puck with his, with his hand back to his defenseman. Um, that was called, and rightfully so there. But, yeah... Don't over-rely on your penalty kill. It was a phenomenal performance by the PK, and hopefully they can keep that up. But let's not put them in a situation where they have to kill off three Devils power plays in the first period and uh, four in the game. Do the best that you can to limit the penalties. And uh, 
you know, don't give the Devils a spark. If they score a power play goal, maybe that gets them rolling a little bit. Force this team to beat you 5v5. Force them to, you know, really earn it. Don't don't give them so many power play opportunities where sooner or later, you know, you keep giving power play opportunities. Eventually, something is going to go into the net. So avoid the penalties and uh, force the Devils to beat you 5v5. Uh, one more thing here. I, I thought the Rangers mostly did well in front of Igor Shesterkin. I thought they played well in front of him. I thought they certainly contested that ice in front of the Ranger net there. There were a couple of uh, situations, though, where the puck was loose in front of the Ranger net, you know, kind of in the crease there. There were a couple of, uh, s- not skirmishes, but uh, scrambles. That's the word I'm looking for. A couple of scrambles in front of the Ranger net that went on for just a second or a half second too long. I would like to see the Rangers, uh, you know, clear some guys out of there a little bit better than they did at times in this game. Um, for the most part, like I said, they did a good job protecting the front of the net. But a couple of those scrambles just went on for just a little bit too long. And sometimes that's all it takes, man. A half a second, a quarter of a second. That's all it takes for a devil or whoever you're playing to find a loose puck and put it into the net. So let's get the puck out of there just a little bit quicker uh, in game two. For the most part, they were good in this area. Uh, but like I said, a couple of instances where the scramble just went on for just a little bit too long. And I'd like to see the Rangers uh, bear down there even more than they did in game one. But there's not much to nitpick. Like I said, it was a tremendous performance by the Rangers in game one. They had to come out even more desperate, even hungrier in game two. The Devils are down 1-0. You got to figure they're going to be looking for a faster start than they certainly had in this game. Uh, but like I said, if, if the Rangers play this brand of Ranger hockey, then uh, you know this, this series is going to go well for them. And then there's a long way to go. And certainly you got to respect the Devils. Um, you know, 110 points in the regular season. Nobody has ever lucked into a 110-point regular season. But uh, if the Rangers play this brand of hockey, then uh, they, they should be sitting pretty. So let's hope that they can keep it rolling in game two. Uh, That will do it for today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, In our next episode, once again, we are going to be breaking down everything that happens in Game 2. So, yeah. Thanks, you guys, as always, for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.